Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. My three things that I tell people that I like to have them have right out the gate, at least with me, like a non-qualified traditional investment account, life insurance retirement plan, and then real estate. If you have those three things, we can probably get you to a net zero or a close to a net zero tax bracket. When you're retired, all those accounts are non-qualified. You can use them all before age 59 and a half. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Money Moves. I am here with my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. How are we doing today, brother? Doing good, man. How are you? Well, it has been uh, a good start to the month of September. Absolutely. And I'm getting excited like halfway for our Wealth Wine and Dine event. Yep. Next week. Next week. Yeah. Are you ready to pop some vino? Always Experience ready. an amazing chef-inspired dinner. Correct. With amazing conversation. Keep going. <laughs> with probably amazing some people. amazing opportunities yeah, that are going to come yeah, out of this yeah. as well. And so uh, we want to encourage and invite more of you guys to join in on some of these events, some of these activities with us. Are Excuse you okay me. over yeah, there? Yeah, sorry, I had a little Damn, burp, man. Sorry, you know, life happens. And uh, if you want to know more about those events, we're going to be doing more of these wealth, wine, and dine, because who doesn't love being in Napa, yep. an amazing company. In amazing conversations, mm-hmm. and you know me, Fatty Maddie. I'm always into amazing food and spirits. So um, we're going to be doing these quarterly. So if you want to know more about that, text the word Napa to eight four 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 seven fifteen fifty five. They're just day events, nothing crazy. Yeah, but you have to stay overnight. Well, yeah, because you're going to yeah, be plastered by the time you go on a tasting that. tour. We're not saying that. Just not plastered. We have to right? say you have to stay overnight. Uh, you should. You have to go to the, everybody has to meet up at the same spot. But other than that, they're, um, they're experiences that normally, unless you somehow have a membership or something I don't know about or have a good face card in Napa, there's places you can't normally yeah, go. Right. Uh, we have a good relationship with a lot of places, so we can do some really fun things. Um, they'll be a little more casual than, say, like the Tahoe event because we're not going to have like a formal stage and speakers or yep. breakouts. But it's going to be a way for you to brush shoulders with people in a familiar environment, somewhere where it's calm, cool, it's be great, down man. to earth. I'm so excited. It's I walk away time. from 
honestly, I mean, this is why we're doing it, but I walk away usually from these types of intimate events, hangouts, feeling crazy inspired. Like when you get a really good group of people together, yep. crazy inspired, enlightened, you know, empowered new and fr- equipped to get, friendships. Yeah. New relationships. Um, and obviously, you know, when you throw in the experience itself, right, which is all the fun that you get to do, which is why I love what Go Abundance, you know, the mastermind group that I've been a part of, which honestly is a lot, very similar to a lot of the models that I've seen all successful masterminds operate off of. If you can create a great experience for the badass people that are coming to that event and then let them do a lot of the magic and heavy lifting because it's just fire sparking off of fire. Yep it becomes so much fun. And so this is going to be the first of, you know, these uh, experiential mastermind events that we do. Um, and the, the group that we got is, is phenomenal. So text the word yeah. NAPA, 844-447-1555. If you're new to the show, welcome. We talk all things money in terms of stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance. Today is September 13th. And today is market's closed. a big day. Yes. Yeah, normally I don't get this much headline you know we we've been we were on tuesday and then we went to monday and i was like all right i gotta roll yeah, the we, dice this week yeah i got a little bit more data you got some more more info you got some yeah. more bullets in more the chamber bullets in the chamber baby um so, so, so we've we got we, some crazy we definitely are going to be covering crazy stuff what's been going on with inflation what came out what does that mean for stocks investments as a whole in the market what are you guys seeing and feeling <laughs> And there's been obviously a lot of conversation around housing recessions, best places to invest in terms of real estate, because there's a lot of slowing that's going on in the single family market. We've got inventory updates, some great stuff to talk about. But recap into last week, what was the overall sentiment coming into this week, knowing that inflation numbers were coming out? So most people thought that inflation was going to either stay flat or raise. Mm -hmm. And a lot of stuff that's been talked about, at least from like headline news and stuff is, oh, inflation's cooling. So we think that they might be come out and be a little more dovish and less hawkish. And maybe the Fed will say, hey, you know, we do see inflation cooling. We'll do that. I wasn't really buying that based on uh, the comments from Jackson Hole and then the prior Fed. In Um, terms of just... Hey, it's not they necessarily said be retracing as aggressively as we yeah, would like to see it. They're winding off more off the balance sheet this this month than they have been. So that's one thing. Second, September sucks for the stock market historically. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting anything great to happen there. And third, we just got uh, a couple prints that inflation had moderated. And if you looked prior to that, it was like down, down, up, down, down, up down, down, we should have got probably an up here. Uh, and the upside normally was headline inflation would would beat core, mm-hmm. meaning that the more volatile areas of the market were doing what they were supposed to do. They're being more volatile. This time we got a, 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 a CPI core print that was about double what was expected. But that's, that's almost indicative of, in my... Uh, is a good thing because when headline is is only up a tenth of a percent versus you have 60 basis points uh, on the uh, core, what that tells me is there's just pricing that hasn't caught up to core yet. And because core is less volatile, it lags much more than headline does. So what I took from that and when I went back and I dug 
pretty much month over month, you can see the oil prices, gasoline prices particularly. Down 10.6% or something I think about 10.9 nationally as an average. So what that's going to do is that's 10.9% that people are not having to spend fairly frequently, that they're going to have more to spend on uh, other things, entertainment specifically in the summertime, especially with summer uh, dwindling down. Um, That I don't think is baked in. Second, uh, I wanted to talk about was the calculation that's used to do CPI and core CPI. One thing that is still used for both core and headline that definitely can throw you a curveball if it's been on a, we'll say, run pretty recently, it's housing prices. And people tend to think two things do very well in inflationary situations, physical metals or precious metals and real estate. Mm -hmm. So they actually don't have precious metals as much, but real estate is a very large component of the CPI number and the and core. And the thing that I think is happening is because real estate prices have been so high in the shorter term when they normally are, that's adding some artificial data into the, the, the output number as well that may be a little highly adjusted. Those are my opinions, but I think they're supported by fact. And what I can go back to is, this is the first time we've had a headline print that both beat, but core was really five times more mm-hmm. uh, as far as a, as a, as not a year over year, month over month, just 10th of a basis point increase versus a 60 basis point increase. That's the first time that's happened ever. Ever? Uh, excuse me, this year. Oh, this okay. year. Not ever. Ever this C- year. CPI, I was like, wow. <laughs> no, not ever. CPI increased 0.1% in August, core increased 0.6%. Yeah. So that, that, and, That's a very big telling thing to me, too, because as we've talked about prior, headline inflation is much more volatile than core. So what we can do is take that from two sides. We have our median zero and we have the upside positive, meaning it's higher than core, and we have it lower than core. What does it mean when it's higher than core? We probably have energy and food prices spiking, and we can take those out and see that core is more stable. Here, what we can do is if you take out gas prices, Mm -hmm. you would see headline get back more in line with core. So that tells me that there's just going to be some catching up to do that we will see if that this theory is correct in about 30 days when we get the next print. Um, But I I think, and there's a lot of major economists that would agree with this. I think that in 30 days, you're going to see the next print and it should either go down Fairly significantly, which I would not take as significantly as if it was just right. because it's going to be like almost like a catch up. Like, up for it a hey, we, we took one step back here to take two steps forward on the next print. Almost kind of like that deal, like get back to par and then go forward. That's why we always talk about how we have all these data points. Data is also not perfect, but data has no bias or emotion. It just spits out whatever it needs to based on the inputs that you have. So when you get your data, and you know this to be true, you have to know the inputs and where the data is coming from to then also weigh how much, how much water does this hold with me? Yes, inventory is, is going up month over month, but year over year, is it going up? So again, those inputs make it very important. Um, and why I think that yesterday uh, was a bad day, quote unquote, bad you uh, bought stocks on Monday, right? 
But overall, it doesn't make me uh, that worried. It simply tells me that what most advisors had been thinking, which is what the, you know, the Fed is probably not lying when they said they're going to have to be hot and heavy, is true. So I am still leaning towards a 75 basis point hike next week. Um, don't be surprised if you hear whispers about 1%. I've already seen a couple of people post on yeah. that this morning. I just think that that's a little too heavy. Yeah, just I like I, Just like it feels too heavy. All three numbers would work in reality. I don't... You could do 50 basis points, 75 basis points, 1%. It's just what do we want? How... How tight do we need to get? Right. And I think that's what they're trying to figure out. If you, at the end of the day, if you think about, yeah, you hear some bitching and moaning about inflation being too high, and then you keep seeing confidence and you see what consumers are doing and how people are living. I mean, not, not, not a lot of steam has been let out of this economic engine yet or forced out of this economic engine yet. So I guess it really does beg the question is how aggressive does the Fed feel like they need to get or how long do they prolong it before? Because it'll be interesting to see what this next print comes out at. Yeah, it will be. And again, because that could, I mean, don't you feel like that could be real? Like just theoretically, it comes out and it's another 75 basis point hike. It doesn't start retracing the way that they're hoping for. It's like, it's perplexing, I would say, right? It would be very, it would make me scratch my head and go, how the hell are we doing this when all of this, we're up against all of this too? I think that uh, Thursday is going to be very important because consumer sentiment, I believe, comes out on Thursday, Michigan uh, preliminary consumer sentiment, which uh, street, street is baking in that there's going to be a positive raise in consumer sentiment. And I think what that, what that's also indicative of is that's going to be a, a another rung on the ladder to say we could be at a more positive print 30 days from now. Um, but time will tell. Gas prices have to stay low. Oil prices have to continue to go down, which last week I mentioned that I thought they were going to go up. Um, and they didn't. And that's also a positive. And this is, again, see, we're not 100% perfect on, on this either, but it's important to point out when we are and when we aren't and why. That tells me also that inflation is not going crazy because you have to have out of control oil prices that spills over into the energy market. The energy market essentially is a driver to some degree in every facet of the market because you have transportation of goods, running your company, energy runs everything. Um, so I don't see that happening. And I also, again, I mean, in Sacramento County, our Placer County, Colorado County, Sac County as a whole, Sacramento area. We've had like one foreclosure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of sales in the past, or excuse me, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of sales in the past two years, one foreclosure and two bank owned sales. I just, uh, Ryan Lundquist uh, is a great data person. He yep. just put out his chart for the past two years and he was like, I'm not really seeing a ton of terrible, you know, nationwide. Sure, you, you know, there's lots of pockets in the Midwest that got way overvalued because they rode with the market and they didn't have the the sustainability to hold that value. But you know, in California, we have scarcity of land. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of things that help keep the um, property values higher, and so they, we're not really dealing with so much of what some pockets of the United States are. And again, to your point earlier, got to be very careful. Um, you're going to hear people cherry pick bad news when bad news is popular. Hmm. So 
be careful when you hear people talk about, oh, hey, you know, we see a correction in the real estate market. There is in a lot of markets, but they're they're like I would call them like tertiary markets from for retail. They're not your core places that people live and work. They are places that real estate was real estate, like water is water. And so everything was going up when everything was going up. Same with stocks. You didn't have to be a rocket scientist for the past two years to make a good rate of return on pretty much a, anything, any equity. Mm-hmm. Most of those returns are gone and then some by this time. And the smart people, the allocators, people like us, we're taking losses too, but within a more smart degree. So the same thing with the real estate market. Um, I do see a quote-unquote correction in markets that are overvalued, just like I saw in what's happening. There's massive corrections and recessionary uh, pullbacks in the stocks that were blank check companies, companies that had not turned a profit, companies that were way, way overvalued. You see NVIDIA um, trading at $130, $120 a share somewhere around there, and they were trading at $360 a share at the beginning of this year. Crazy. I mean, you have all this stuff happening, but that doesn't mean the overall assets, that that stocks as a whole, that real estate as a whole are doing bad because they're not. And there's a lot of catalysts coming mm-hmm. that can make them. And this is kind of the entry point where you become that person that then in three years, you have your own YouTube and podcast and you're telling your story. Absolutely. Um, so that's the cool time that we're in, I believe. I think we're at a very interesting inflection point for the people that really want to, really want to. And I hope I can emphasize this enough. This is at least my perspective and what I am operating and making decisions off of. The next five years will set you up for your next 50 years. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's, that's legitimately the mindset I'm operating off of going, we just came out of a pandemic, a black swan event. And you, based on a lot of our conversations, have had a lot of at least time to research and come to our own conclusions of what we thought, how things played out, and now kind of where at least it feels like a lot of this dust is really having to settle. Mm-hmm. After the midterms, things are going to start to shift and kind of find a firm coming down after this first cycle of pandemic to next decision of what's going on big in terms of administration and our government and all of that kind of stuff. Yep. So I think once this starts to settle down a little bit and the real kind of writing of um, repercussions and responses to what's gone on and is going on, policy, economy, global landscape, all of that, then we're going to start to see some real opportunities formalize based on kind of these new firm rules of what is kind of getting firmed up, it feels like right now, playing out going forward. And I think real estate, I think stocks, I think for the people that are really going, this could be a life-changing season for me and I should really lean in. I should really be a part of the conversation. I should really put in the work, should really find a way to network with people. I should really find a way to educate and arm and equip myself because these next five years, you don't want to look back on and say you were sleeping or you were, you were, you're just sitting back. Or I went, or, uh, what was the, you know, the, the, we've had that the past 10 years, but it's been, I, or almost 10, no, no, 10 years, 10, 15 years. I wish I would have invested in real estate after the, after the real estate crash. Absolutely. Oh man, I should have kept my money in the stock. Do you know how many people that told me they wish they would have kept their money in the stock market in 2008? Which is, which is Absolutely asinine to think that somebody would 
want to keep their money in the stock market after 2008. Hindsight. Hindsight, right? Yep. So it's like making sure that your mindset matches the outcome that you want and not letting emotion sway you from the path, the execution, the fundamentals, you know, that are required to go and get that because these are some of those, you know, somebody was like, oh, it's a once in a lifetime event. And I was like, you know, when you think about some of the things that unlock new levels of income, of wealth, of freedom, of experience for you, based on how many human beings are on this planet, most of those big inflection points, if anyone that's listening gets over a hundred or I mean a million dollars net worth compared to the billions of humans on this planet that will never reach that milestone in their life, mm-hmm. you better damn well believe and act as if that is a once in a lifetime opportunity because you're really unlocking something that most human beings never have. And so that's the beauty of what wealth and talking money and being financially literate can do for you. But it also has become such a, in my opinion, why we do this show, it becomes such a massive item of value to other people. Because when you think about the billions of people on the planet that don't have wealth, freedom, access, right? And could, if they were equipped with the right knowledge and resources, there'd be a lot more people living in balance and feeling, because I know there's a lot of people that don't have, you know, just the conversation to be a part of, but they would actually be hungry and hardworking at figuring it out if they knew what they didn't know. Yeah. And a lot of people that have the resources would also be more successful if they got out of their own way and didn't make emotional decisions. Absolutely. That's the hard, hard facts and the truth. Um, I even have clients that, you know, have the conversation, oh yeah, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. But then push comes to shove and it's, what happened to what we talked about? Uh, and that's just the reality of it. Sometimes the emotions overwhelm you and it's hard to go about uh, sticking to your plan, but it's what successful people do. I always just like remind people like, have you ever heard of like Warren Buffett liquidating his portfolio? Anybody? Or if they do, are they liquidating it? The hard part is- They're buying. Yeah. The hard part is for most people when you feel like you need control of whatever is left back because you're fear driven or you're concerned instead of seeing it through. Well, and their response to that is, you know, oh, well, they have a lot more money. Well, how do you think they got there? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think what it, it's just do it's doing the hard thing when it's not easy to do. Yeah. And that's and until you figure out that that's a requirement and you do it, you'll not ever get to the part where you don't have to do the hard thing. You're going to have to do the hard thing at some point. You're going to have to buy your first investment property. You're going to have to make a choice to set up a contribution to investment account. You're going to have to go through underwriting for your insurance. You're going to have to make a hard decision when you've never made one before. That's the growth zone. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. I mean, I think the people that are most successful in investing or really life, business, health, are the people who are true men. They just look at whatever challenge or outcome it is that they're trying to achieve or overcome. They have found a way in many different rhythms and habits and routines and disciplines to be mental athletes that mm-hmm. when you are easily talked or swayed out of either living in fear or not doing or procrastinating, you just find a way to, it's that default massive action mindset, no matter what, that's what unlock. You don't like, there's so many people I know that you would look at and be like, this dummy is a freaking multi, multi-millionaire. Like, yeah, it's just smart enough to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, it's like, I know somebody and not that, that it's oh. like all people like that. That's, that's, you know, obviously an exaggeration, but just saying it's the people who find the way to stick on the path 
of what feels right and aligned with you and that you can consistently do over and over and over again. And it's oftentimes the people that are taking these crazy risks and doing all these cool, sexy, you know, trendy stuff that have big spikes and big drops. And ultimately you end up, if not the same or way further than those people by doing just the small, smart choices over and over again. Or Yeah, little, little, uh, that's how you get the compounding effect. Yeah. Little pieces over and over, you give them time to work for you after you do them and you don't get dissuaded when they don't work right up front. Absolutely. I mean, that's just the crockpot mentality 101. So we had National Association of Realtors Chief Economist Lawrence Yun come out with his response today. Consumer prices are, this is his, his comment, to uh, an instant reaction of the, the CPI data that came out. Consumer prices are still rising too aggressively and will force the Federal Reserve to take an even more hawkish stance to fight it. The overall CPI rose 8.3 from one year ago. It's the, not the 9.1 or 8.5 seen in the past two months, but this number is higher than expected given the retreat in gasoline prices. A significant contributor to inflation was rapidly rising rents, which rose 6.7% from a year ago, the fastest growth in nearly 40 years. Rent prices look to accelerate in the near term as rental demand remains exceptionally high from ongoing job additions and higher mortgage rates, forcing people out of the home buying market. The one-month gain in rent was 077 which translates into a hefty 9.6 annualized rent gain. Increasing the housing supply will lessen the pressure of inflation. He went on to say, with hourly earnings rising by much less at 5.2%, the standard of living for many Americans is falling. In addition to falling real inflation-adjusted income, the decline in the stock market has dented overall net wealth. It has fallen by $6 trillion from the first to the second quarter. Our housing wealth has held on with homeowners' real estate wealth um, rising by $1.2 trillion. So it's interesting to see how, as you talked about this correlation of kind of balance and holistic investments, right? I mean, my real estate's doing great right now. My stock's not doing Men are good. doing not great. But on top of that, last year, we were murdering it hand over fist. Yep. And the real estate was good and was doing great things, yep. right? But it just talks about that insulation when you, when you do these things. When you talk to, when you're working with your clients, I was curious, I was going to ask you this question um, from a listener, I forget her name, I apologize, who wrote in and said, when you talk about holistic planning, how many people actually do holistic planning versus just sticking to one path and one path only? And, you know, what does the overall pie chart look like in terms of that holistic balance makeup? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network 
and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. I would say it's it's becoming more popular to be holistic because it's been marketed by the people, the still small group that that does holistic uh, financial planning or uh, advising versus your just insurance agents. Those are most of the guys that are on social media that's that are pushing like infinite banking and stuff like that. Because that's gotten pretty hot and heavy for people this last year. Oh, the infinite banking? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just because people are at home, they're educating themselves. There's a lot of people that haven't been doing it in a long time that talk about it like they know what they're doing and they, they just don't. Um, there's a lot of people that used to be advisors that aren't advisors anymore that just do insurance because they know that they can... That's where you... Not have to be more, you know, you can be a little more loose lipped. You don't, you're not held to a higher standard. Mm. Then there's just advisors who think insurance products are terrible. They're generally brokers or their contract doesn't allow them to sell anything besides variable products through their broker. Um, and then you have people like myself who I don't work for an insurance company, nor do I work for any investment company. I just work for my clients and I like real estate, which puts me even into a smaller category. And I also don't bill on the real estate that I like, which puts me into a smaller category. Hmm. Um, I think I do some of the most holistic or my way is the most holistic simply because I can afford to do it with the size of, the, of my you know, book of business and the company that I own. Um, most of the people that I will come into competition with, there's other podcasts. Um, like I said, there's other people that do similar stuff. They just don't do it for as cheap as I do it. They don't do it as good as I do it, non-facetiously. And they're not nationally recognized in the way that we are. There's a lot of people that say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm America's number one money mentor. That's a load of fucking bullshit. No, you're not. <laughs> um, there's, there's people that say, tell us oh, how you we're, really the, we're the greatest. Anytime you are a self-proclaimed, there's a reason that it's the self-proclaimed. There's nothing backing it. I'm a witch doctor from Nigeria. You know, I, you can say anything that you want. It just doesn't make it true. We have third parties that have ranked us. You know, we're the 11th fastest growing advisory group in the United States last year. We were the sixth largest the year before that. Um, I'm constantly ranked in the top five of all independent agents in the United States for life insurance planning. Um, I'm in the top 30 advisors in the United States for amount of assets deposited that are independent on a month over month basis. So there's just a, there's, there's a song that says there's levels to this and there is levels to it, but there's a lot more people that say, that say they're on a level that they're just not, they're just not on. Um, it's not very, you know, you got to know where to look to find it out. Um, but there's just a lot of people that say one thing that are, are not that. So holistic planning I think I do a really good job. My, my three things that I tell people that I like to have them have right out the gate, at least with me, 
like a non-qualified traditional investment account, uh, a life insurance retirement plan, and then real estate. If you have those three things, it can probably get you to a net zero or a close to a net zero tax bracket. When you're retired, all those accounts are non-qualified. You can use them all before age 59 and a half. Um, they're symbacy. I like to kind of compare it to like a triangle. And to your point, you know, when one of them isn't doing good or gets pressure, geometrically, a triangle, when it gets pressure from one side is supported by another two sides. So it's one of the strongest geometric shapes. That to me gives me a good foundation. And then on top of that, we add in other stuff. Maybe we do, you know, UGMA, UTMA accounts for kids. Um, the things I don't do that you will see that are popular that, you know, there's, there's people that have been sent uh, recently. I don't have, you know, I'm not going to tell you to buy 16 insurance policies. Um, you know, a bunch of that's bad red flag. Um, you, I'm not going to tell you to put your money into like a REIT or an alternative investment that doesn't have a, a active secondary market to go into it. I don't do commissionable securities. I don't do variable insurance products. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that's bad, that's garbage that exists in both sides of the world. I mean, you have garbage real estate investments. I saw somebody post about a three and a half cap yesterday. I almost threw up in my mouth. <laughs> and then, because um, they're going to turn into a five, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, then you have, you know, people over here that are selling like, you know, crappy, you know, no blank check spat companies that, oh, they're going to be this and they're not going anywhere. And I'm going to put all my money into Tesla because I'm a Tesla fan boy. There's just bad ways to do everything. Yep. But there's like, there's a right way and a holistic way. And my ways that like I shared, I like to do non-qualified traditional investment, life insurance, retirement plan, real estate. What is, real, what's the percentage of that? Um, it depends. Like a lot of my real estate investors will come in and they already have a real estate portfolio. They're like, Hey, I already got my real estate. I already know what I'm doing there. I got that rock and now I'm making money. I don't know what to do with the extra money. And so then I would say, okay, well, since you already have your idea of what you're putting towards your real estate above and beyond that, what can you afford to do per month? We'll set up a monthly budget and I'll split it up. A lot of times it's 50, 50, 60, 40, uh, depending on what we're trying to do. I set up an account for somebody the other day. It was like $5,500 a month. I think we're doing about $24,000 a year to a life insurance plan and about $2,500 a month to an investment account. Um, I'm setting up an account on uh, Thursday for uh, somebody that I met on my TV show and they're you know doing $250,000 a year. So Ooh. there's all sorts of people to do into a life insurance plan. So there's all sorts of people to do different planning for. It's just what are you trying to do? Um, some people are trying to retire at 45. Some people are retiring to retire at 66. Some people are trying to say, yo, I'm 50 and I want to know if my assets, what they can pay me right now so I can stop, so I can do whatever I want. There's no one size fit all or, hey, I have a specific percentage. And there's a lot of groups that do do that. Um, and I just don't do that. I do use the same products with most people, not from the same people, like same carriers or anything, but I use the same type of stuff. Just like you like multifamily or you like hotels, what hotel and where that'll mm-hmm. be decided. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, I like that. I like using insurance products with people. I don't know at what level I like using with retirees annuities um, in conjunction with everything else. It's just the split that um, we have to figure out and, and do. And that's what we do with that financial x-ray is we essentially take all of your information, ask you what you're trying to do, build you a full financial plan for free, show you if what you want to do will work, show you if you can make some changes and do what you want to do and make it work. Or this is saying going to work. 
or you can try to do it, but it ain't going to be with me. Um, so that's the, that's the beauty of having a financial plan and not just investments. And a lot of people right now, I know we have listeners that, that listen to this, that have been on the fence and haven't done it, or I'm just real estate. I'm not going to do the other stuff. Or I've been listening to a ton of other podcasts and I don't know which one I'm going to do. I'm telling you right now, we're the most honest and most straightforward. So you're going to have the best luck of not getting screwed over from us. Um, I would take that to bat with any other podcaster. If you think that I'm absolute trash and you're brave enough to come on a live with me, happy to split the hairs with you. But there's just no... This guy, let's just say Ryan loves to debate. Can't charge less. You can't do as much as I do. I'm not trying. I'm really trying to tell you guys this because it's just a fact of the matter. Nobody can do. Most of the people don't own their company. They work for a company. Even people that claim to be America's number one money mentor also work for a company. Who might that be? I have no idea. I just seem sometimes I've heard that said a lot. Got it. There's a ton of people that claim to be something that they're not behind orange filtered sunglasses on a shitty webpage that it's their first and last name. There's a lot of those. You have mattagent.com, don't you? Yeah. My bad. Not Matt's, not Matt website. <laughs> um, just, you can make yourself look. I was like, I got really my first name good, and last name be, on a website. Just be, just be careful who you syndicate with. I've heard of four people now. Four clients have called me. Hey, I went to try to liquidate this investment I did with this guy that I saw on the internet. And I, for some reason, I can't get it out. Well, what did you do? Syndicated. And now they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, what were you doing? This other one I did the other day, 8.9% annual, uh, annual fee before there was something else they still had to pay. So it was almost going to be and like- a syndication? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of bad syndications so, out there. So again- I'm not just tooting on my side. Matt will tell you in his world, the same, the same issue exists. Who you give your money to and what they do with your money and how they do it is very important. That's why I know I can send my clients over to Matt's team and they can help them out a lot of the times because Matt's not going to screw that person over. Matt's going to run a quality deal that he probably has his own money in, that he's ran the metrics on. And the funniest part is like that last uh, San Antonio deal where it was audited by the third party. And they're like, not only do we think these numbers are going to happen, we came up with better numbers in a lot of areas. That's the type of stuff you want to see with the people that you work with. Yeah. I mean, you got to be, well, transparency is is always the key. Holistic, transparent financial planning from all your people is what's important. The tax people, your real estate people, your investment people. Absolutely. We got rents falling in 27 of the U.S. biggest cities, but they're still rising in eight of the key cities around the country. Mostly metros. Yep. All metros. Uh, With the slowdown in the housing market, there is finally some good news for renters. Rents fell 0.1% through August across the U.S.'s biggest metropolitan areas. The drop snapped a 20-month streak of price hikes and offered the first sign of relief for renters stuck with few alternatives. That's 20 months of rent hikes going up. So, Oh, yeah. And the thing is, that's what correlated. Like When an asset value, when real estate asset values go up, rent prices are going to go up with them because you'd be a terrible operator to not take advantage of that. That's what's supposed to happen. That's also why I'm not worried about... seeing that report, oh, well, rent prices are going up again. Well, yeah, but that's going to start moderating itself Mm -hmm. because 
real estate prices have stopped going up. So there's no longer a reason. And we have a ton of multifamily and a ton of uh, apartment buildings going up or, or SFRs that have been vacant that are getting bought by groups like Blackstone that are going to hit the market and they're going to suppress those rate hikes. The question that I've been getting a lot lately is what is the hottest real estate asset or trend right now to be investing in? And I would say the data has been coming out and supporting that right now, industrial has been one of the hottest housing or real estate investment asset classes. Big industrial, right? I mean, when you think about just how much is, you know, distribution centers, instead of them being 50 miles from, you know, the location, now they're two, right? Well, like yeah, they've got, got them, the big they, Amazon they've got them sprinkled own. everywhere now, and they're going to yeah. continue to get even smaller and more micro. So now you're going to start seeing some of that large scale industrial um, demand trickle into some of the midsize and smaller industrial, but it may be more centrally located to certain, you know, access points and distribution networks that they want to increase their, you know, uh, proximity to. So I think that is going to continue to be a really strong asset class. I've also been hearing in a couple of my mastermind groups of essentially people taking industrial space. And they are essentially building them out like storage facilities to be more storage, but for labor and trades. The guy who wants a woodworking shop, instead of having to get something massive and big, they're these micro, essentially, it's like micro units, but for industrial. If you think about it, you've been to Mexico. Yeah. That's the model. They have these massive, if you're driving anywhere down, I was just down in Playa del Carmen. You'll be going down the main strip. There's a massive, massive industrial building with six alleys in it. And this is a tile store and this is the furniture store. And this is it. one building, six businesses. I don't know why it's that took like, so long. To it's kind of like, it's almost like ghost kitchens. Um, you yeah. know, for, for restaurants and, you yep. know, commercial spaces you know, one commercial kitchen, but eight different restaurants can have a little mini tiny it's storefront. Just, the strip of, center figured it out early on. It just didn't expand from that idea. Yeah. It's and like, now, a, it's and like now, a strip center, but bigger. So we've got a buddy in our group that has been doing it. And man, he's bought a pretty good chunk of industrial warehouse space in Texas. And they've been doing these build outs. He's like, I don't have any AC. The, you know, the cost of maintenance on these facilities and buildings is crazy low or props, He's right? clipping at, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, most of them I'm guessing are, but I'm, like I'm not hundred percent sure on how, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure on the, the structural product of it, but, um, I mean, dude, he's, he's got 80, 100, 200 of these things that are practically low, no infrastructure. And he's renting them out for 800 bucks a pop. Yeah. Only thing that's expensive of that is just the uh, insurance. That's it. So it's, that's going to be something that I think will be interesting and paying attention to, you know, single family is still, it's funny, right? One day you hear all major categories point to home market slowdown. This coming out today, housing inventory in 35 key markets overall was down 35% year over year in January, down 8% year over year in March and is up now 79% year over year, uh, according to calculated risk blog. So you've got kind of, and this last week, actually inventory uh, decreased. Decreased again. So like 7%? Correct. Yep. 
So we're seeing, you know, <laughs> this, there's still demand there. And ultimately, like everybody that keeps asking, is the housing market going to crash? You know, again, these are all the people that ultimately are trying to time the market. Because at the end of the day, if you're a fundamental investor and you're continuing Mm -hmm. to just dollar cost your way through, adjust your underwriting to be more conservative and make sure that there's some, let's call turbulence in the next 12 to 36 months, um, you know, until we get to things leveling off, things catch up, rents settle, you know, we get ultimately um, what I think is going to be a much more stable market in three plus years, we don't know what these next few years are going to look like, but you still got to keep investing and buying and looking at good deals and just being a little bit more conservative, buffering better, stronger numbers. And as long as if you're buying for cash flow, let's say if you're repositioning or you're doing a burr, you're doing a flip wholesale, which wholesaling and flipping, man, I've got some consulting coaching clients that I've been working with, you know, all across the country and a lot of them, I mean, talking down 50, 60% of their revenue gone because the, when, when the values perception on the seller side is so high and what has been for the last 24, 36 months, 24 months, I mean, it's, we've been on this run up for a while, but then the market shifts the way it has and the consumer side is there's a big gap in the middle that hasn't been closed. And even if these wholesalers and flippers are getting them at a decent discount of what was a discount 10, 20%, three, six months ago, that's still not deep enough for the amount of demand that now is left in the marketplace, especially from the investor side, because when the market is on a downturn and you know, you're one day further away from the peak, you know, investors, it's hard for them if you're on a flipping or wholesaling model to really make money at scale, at scale. You can do it here and there. You can move some contracts, make a little bit, but like to do it at scale, I know, which is a lot of the people I work with, um, things have really shifted for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how this is what I was talking with. One of the clients was like, man, I mean, if this doesn't highlight to you that Flipping or wholesaling is not a true scalable, scalable business model for the long term without having to consistently retool your business based on what the economy gives you. Correct. But with buying long term, fundamentally stable, quality run, cash flowing assets, it ain't sexy. That is not always sexy, but it works. That's your insulation yeah. to no matter what the market gives you, as long as you cover your mortgage and your operational costs and you got a little bit of something left over, hopefully a lot, but enough to at least cover all of that to keep you in the black, you know, that's what real wealth can be. That's how it can be unlocked is yep. buy good quality assets in any market every year, one a year if you can. And you're going to look up in 20 years and be like, well, shit, I got a pretty decent amount of net worth and I got a pretty decent amount of, whoa, I got a lot of cash flow, right? Yep. And, uh, and then, you know, when I continue to do that, I can siphon off a little bit over to you and you continue to keep growing that for me. And so that's why I always recommend to people to just do the financial x-ray to see if you're a real estate person like I am and you connect with Ryan and his team. It just got me thinking in so many different ways of like, wow, that really supercharges what I'm doing over here. This is my core tree trunk and focus. But if 
I don't miss that income or need that income. And I can give some of that to you every month. And that turns into that over time or, you know, complements it in that way. So if, if you're a real estate person, you haven't had a financial x-ray, not a real estate portfolio x-ray, a financial <laughs> x-ray of your retirement and those things, I suggest highly taking advantage yeah. of that because him and his team are world-class. And you can just do that. Text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Uh, with that being said, we got some more reports coming up big on the schedule this PPIs, next week. PPS tomorrow. That'll be big. Producer price index. Consumer sentiments at the end of this week. Uh, next week is the uh, rate decision. That'll obviously be the highlight of the week. I would expect a ton of volatility up into the meeting, the day of the meeting, and potentially after. Um, I'm still thinking we have a positive outlook for the end of the year on the stock market. I still think that my theory has some water as far as in November. I will eat some crow with y'all to hear me eat it uh, if I'm wrong. But right now, we still got about three and a half months for the Fed to kind of do what they need to do and maybe even tell people that inflation, we really need the Fed to just come out and say, hey, inflation is starting to come under control based on what we were doing. We're going to continue to do it, but things are starting to look in the good direction. All they've said is we're going to continue to do it because it's not working. We need them to say we're going to continue to do it because it is working. And you're going to see a pop in the market, I think, if that happens. Time will tell. With that being said, we appreciate you guys for tuning in each and every week. If you've got questions for us, 844-447-1555. We will keep you posted on what we are seeing and feeling going into this next week. Mm -hmm. It'll be a pretty, I think, mellow week, it seems like, next week. Volatility will be high in the stock market. But, okay. So, stay tuned. We'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. Mm -hmm.